Happy Travel Guides Tuesday, everyone. Just wanted to take care of some quick housekeeping items before throwing to today's episode, which will feature an interview with Mana, who just returned from Vietnam. First, International P and I would like to say thank you for your continued listenership as we near 10 episodes now. We've been listening to your feedback, and we greatly appreciate it. Please keep it coming on social media channels. We're also going to attach an email address to the podcast in coming episodes so that we can interact with you more directly. Additionally, please make sure that you are listening, subscribing, and commenting on iTunes, where the podcast is available, as well as on SoundCloud for our Android listeners out there. We greatly appreciate any and all feedback, formal or informal. However, if we can get it on the apps, then that will boost our rating as a podcast as a whole. And so thank you in advance for helping us out with that. Thirdly, for future episodes, we've got some pretty cool stuff coming up. I will be heading to Cuba at the end of this week. I know International P is always on his trek through California and has some uh, trips abroad coming up as well. So please stay tuned to that. And lastly, follow us on social media. I'm at GQ50 and just GQ50 on Instagram and Snap, respectively. And International P is Y-E-S-S-U-R-07. Yeser 07. Y'all know I like saying that on both Snap and Instagram. So without further ado, please enjoy the show. And always remember, your next adventure is just a click away. Thank you all for joining again another episode of the Travel Guides. We are pleased to announce that we have a special guest with us. She was mentioned on the last episode, my friend Mana. Mana, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for letting me on today. Absolutely. Thank you for uh, for joining. So for the folks, Mana and I know each other. We used to work together so for a few years, and, and we've continued to keep in touch, and Mana just got back from Vietnam. Uh, where she spent two weeks there? You got it. Absolutely. Two weeks kind of touring around the country. Awesome, awesome. So what, what parts of the country did you uh, visit? So I started out in um, Hanoi, and from Hanoi, which is a pretty large city, um, I believe it's like the second largest city in Vietnam, um, I took a night train and I went up to Sapa Valley, which is where we went hiking and uh, stayed with the indigenous um, Homon village. And uh, from there, I came back to Halong Bay and took a three-day cruise. And from Halong Bay, I went to Danang Beach. And from Danang Beach, I went to Hoi An. And that's where I concluded my uh, my trip. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I was definitely following along via Instagram and, uh, and Snapchat. Yeah. You were chronicling every step, which was which was pretty awesome. Like a new adventure every day. Yeah, it was in, absolutely incredible. And um, definitely it was uh, four completely different areas. Uh, so I think I got a pretty good um, vibe of what all Vietnam has, which was just absolutely incredible. Now, what made you want to actually go over there in the first place? So I have a thing where I go to a new country I've never been to every year, um, and I've been doing that for since my early 20s. Uh, so I had gone to Southeast Asia, to Thailand, um, two years ago, and it was in Thailand that I heard 
in Vietnam was really, um, you know, way uh, uh, of a hidden secret and even cheaper than Thailand um, and a little bit more, you know, untouched and uh, more off the beaten path, I guess you could say. So um, that's kind of when I realized uh, I'm going to need to do uh, Vietnam coming up next. That's awesome. That's awesome. What's your uh, what's your country tally up to, if you don't mind me asking? Um, so I did, so let's see, I did 22 countries in my 20s. Awesome. Um, and then that was really my 20s, though, so I haven't done my total tally. Uh, but I have a goal to hit 30-something countries in my 30s. That's so awesome. So you did 20, 22 individual countries only, like, just in that decade? You got it. Oh, yep. my God. That's crazy. <laughs> That's awesome, though. That's, uh, it's my biggest passion. Um, I studied abroad in, in college, and it really kind of uh, made me realize just how big it is. Where did you, where'd you study abroad in, in college? Like, what kicked off your whole wanderlust passion? Yeah, I studied abroad in uh, Beijing, China, and uh, I minored in Chinese in college, and so uh, I went to college. Um, I went three times in, like, two years, but my biggest study abroad was uh, a summer deal in Beijing, um, and uh, yeah, I went and studied abroad for about three months over there, and uh, I learned Chinese, went to school, uh, like, seven hours a day, five days a week, and wow. just met people from all over the world in my school, um, and so that really kind of launched my travel abroad experience and I started visiting uh, quickly like made friends with uh, this girl that was sitting next to me and I saw her in Italy and her whole family and then uh, that just kind of unleashed everything and I started visiting um, as many people as I could uh, and then even within our company it being so diverse um, and worldwide I started visiting people uh, you know through my colleagues and everything uh, all over Latin America and so on so that's great. So who, who were you traveling alone when you went to um, Vietnam this last trip? No, I went with one of my girlfriends um, from college. Uh, so uh, she really wanted to uh, join me in one of my trips. She knew I was a big world traveler, and she as well is a huge world traveler. Uh, and so I asked her if you know she'd be interested in Vietnam and never heard of, of going there. She'd never really been to Asia and uh, decided she she definitely was on board. So the two of us decided to go together. That's great. How did you all um, How did you all put together the trip? Like in terms of the planning and then defining your itinerary and all that. So it's uh, kind of crazy. Usually, when I do my um, my my international trips, I'm usually going with somebody that knows you know the country, uh, whether that's a local or somebody that's living there. Um, in this case, I knew nothing about Vietnam. So I started doing uh, lots of internet research, and I kind of narrowed down. I definitely wanted to see Sapa Valley, um, and I def- that was you know where the indigenous uh, families are. Um, and I definitely wanted to take that cruise, because everybody would talk about that cruise. Uh, and then I really didn't know what else I wanted to see. Um, but I actually found a travel agency online, oh. and um, I realized that this is all becoming like really lots of logistics trying to get through all of Vietnam. Why not just pay somebody else to do this? And this uh, this group had gotten like five star reviews everywhere, and they're actually it's called Asia Tour Advisors. If anybody is interested, it's incredible. Um, and so I started corresponding with uh, Hong over at Asia Tour Advisors. Me and him probably exchanged like. By the end, we were up to like 72 emails kind of back and forth, um, just making sure he had all my details and everything I wanted. And he, you know, I told him the destinations that I wanted. 
uh, the length of time. He, you know, had all these tours for me. I wanted to uh, shorten the tours. I didn't want this to be a huge uh, touristy type of trip. And, um, and he customized my trip right for me. Uh, and it was absolutely exceeded my expectations, really, really the way I want to kind of continue doing my, my um, international travels. I want to start using agencies more. So it sounds like you had a really good experience with it yeah. this, first, this first time. I know that's typically, actually, I, I'm, I don't know how common that is, but I know that I've heard uh, good reviews about it and kind of like being able to just take it off your plate and um, rid your life of the stresses that can come with, with travel, especially with uh, when you're not by yourself. Yeah, and, and honestly, if you have you know access to the internet, you can look at all these reviews and and really pick the the correct agency for you. Uh, this agency, the reviews were so great that I I almost got scared that maybe this is just a scam of some sort. But they had uh, Facebook, they were on TripAdvisor. Um, you know, you could look at all sorts of different testimonials that were out there. So uh, I knew they were pretty legit. Right, and that that TripAdvisor is is king when you're when you're out of the country it really is absolutely <laughs> so what kind of what kind of flight was it over there i know i can i'm imagining it would be a full 24 hours it's uh, it's no joke um so it's i took eva airways which is a pretty i'd never flown with this airline which got me excited because anything you know even with international travel if it's uh if it's an airline company from another country i get really really excited just to see what kind of service they're going to have what kind of food it's going to be um, but yeah, so this was Eva Airways. They're huge in China, and um, I actually took a flight from Seattle to Taiwan. That was twelve hours, and then um, Taiwan, I think, was like a three three hour uh, delay or so, and then just Taiwan um, right over to Vietnam. It's about three and a half hours, and oh, the man. flight cost me about nine hundred dollars, so it wasn't too bad. Nine hundred. That's a, that's actually a lot more inexpensive than I was imagining. I thought it was going to be whole trip of Vietnam is extremely cheap. Um, so it was nine hundred dollars for the flight, and then my travel agency took care of pretty much all of my costs. Yeah, you know, with most of my meals included as well. Oh wow. Um, so I I got four star hotels. Okay, so this is a fourteen night trip. Uh, I got four star hotels. I had private drivers, private tours. Um, we had two domestic flights in Vietnam. We had a night train uh, there and back. Um, uh, most meals paid for, and the cruise, so a two-day cruise per person. It was. $1,400. Oh, my it was goodness. extremely expensive. Yeah, it was <laughs> incredible. That is wild. And yeah, it, yeah. And once you're there, the expensive thing you're going to pay for is wine. Wine is really expensive, but everything else is less than $5. Um, beer, you know, $1 beers, you know, $2 mimosas, like, kind of easy to find. Um, like I said, wine was the one thing, and I'm a big wino, so <laughs> I definitely felt it in my pocket. Um, You're definitely a classy you lady, spend, so that's not surprising. Yeah, you'll spend like 40 bucks, you know, on a bottle of wine at a restaurant. But everything else was just incredibly cheap. That is amazing. So what were the um, – that is wild. That is wild. That is not that, that bad at all as far as a dinner no. in two weeks. I would say, you know um, – yeah, all together, it, it was 
very inexpensive. Much and, and the rumors were right about you know it being less expensive than Thailand. It absolutely was even less expensive than Thailand. So, uh, yeah, once you're there, you're not spending money hardly on anything. That's wonderful, man. Yeah, we had a previous um, guest on, and she was in uh, Thailand and Malaysia, um, and had and shared like some similar details about the dynamics between the two. So I'm glad that you're using Thailand as a point of reference. So I feel like I have uh, <laughs> some type of baseline of knowledge there. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, one interesting thing with how cheap uh, things are. So um, Uber, you know, the Uber app is, is in Vietnam. It works just like it does, you know, here, but, of course. Um, but they actually have a different option. So, other than Uber X, you know, you could take what they call Uber Moto. And Uber Moto, they actually come in scooters and pick you up. And you have, like, <laughs> Uber helmets. Um, and, and, you know, it's just like a normal Uber. But these cost you only, like, 20 cents to That's get awesome. around the city. Uh, so that, you know, another inexpensive way to get around. Uh, definitely we utilized Uber Moto any chance we could. It was pretty cool and really, really cheap. Was there any trust issues that you had, like when you saw somebody pull up on a Vespa to pick you up the first time? No, they uh, they have the Uber helmets, and uh, you know they look like their picture, and uh, it's all very pretty legit. So never really any trust. Obviously, it's really scary the first time because um, there's just hundreds of mopeds all around you. Right. Uh, but there's also a rush that comes with that. So um, it was actually really cool. <laughs> okay, awesome. What, so as far as speaking it on safety and, like, general security, what were your feelings about that as you were maneuvering around the country? So, you know, crossing the street is the most dangerous thing, I would say. Uh, you just have to do it very slowly. Uh, they'll slow down for you. Uh, definitely like the traffic for a Westerner is a lot to handle at first. Um, but other than that, as far as, uh, you know, someone stealing something from you or, uh, kidnapping you definitely did not feel anything like that whatsoever. Felt incredibly safe the whole time. Um, the Vietnamese people want there to be tourism. So they want to make, make sure that, any tourists that are in their country, it's going to be best in class service um, so that, you know, we can come home and tell everybody else to get there too. So um, I never, ever felt the way that it was uh, unsafe. Um, there's, uh, you know, cops around and uh, people are just incredibly nice. Um, so yeah, no, no real safety issues. And I, and I definitely have been in countries where, uh, you know, you feel unsafe and, and things are definitely scary, but uh, definitely never in my two weeks that I feel like that in Vietnam. That's awesome. That's awesome. Were, now, were there just, was there an absence of street signs or lights or just general direction? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, not, not where I was now. Um, you know, I, when I was in the city, I was in a pretty big city. And then, of course, we were three days in that village, which right. uh, that's just straight in a village. So there's no lights or anything um, over there. Um, but other than that, no, I, I felt like uh, things were, it was certainly better than China. I mean, China, it feels very chaotic, um, and, you know, you're really scared for your life when you're driving, um, and I didn't feel like that in Vietnam. It wasn't that bad at all. Okay, that's good. Now, you had um, it, it kind of to throw to one of the items. I remember getting a snap from you and seeing something extremely cool. You actually ran into John Kerry when you were over there, right? Yeah, yeah, it was a crazy, crazy deal. Um, uh, but we actually happened to be in Vietnam the same time that 
that Obama was coming to Vietnam. And we knew that ahead of time going in that Obama was going to be there. But we were switching locations every three days, so we didn't feel like there was any chance that we were actually going to be in the same spot as him by any means. Um, so we had just gotten back from uh, three days, you know, in Sapa Valley, uh, living with indigenous people, and we had just gotten back into the city after a 10-hour um, train ride, and we only had one night in the city, and the next day we were going to go on our cruise like four hours away, so uh, just kind of set the scene as far as uh, how we ended up there, but we wanted to dress up um, and go out, you know, have our one night in the city together, and so we dressed, we dressed up, and my friend told me about this really nice French hotel that's in uh, in this city in Hanoi. And um, Vietnam was actually uh, taken over by a French colony at one point. So it was, it's a French colony, and uh, and so they have a lot of French influence. So I thought that would be pretty cool for us to go to this French hotel. Uh, we take these Uber motos that I had mentioned before. So she gets on one, and I get on another, and we both give them the address to the hotel. And uh, we ended up losing each other at the hotel. I couldn't oh, find man. her, and she couldn't find me. Uh, definitely like a really high stress situation right. the first time where we've lost each other. And I see a guy in a suit with an earpiece in. I just assumed he was like a club promoter of some sort at the <laughs> hotel. I just really was in panic mode. And um, I came up to him and I said, hey, I just need to get the password to the hotel. Can you help me out? And he quickly like, shut it down and said, look, I can't help you. I have a very important event. I need you to get inside the hotel, get to the side. Uh, but we have some cars that are about to pull up. And uh, I thought this guy was, like, super rude. I was just really confused, but it really clicked at that point when I looked around and I saw there's Vietnamese police and tons of guys with earpieces in and suits on that this was actually the Secret Service. And uh, that's when these Lincoln cars started showing up. They had a red carpet out. All these uh, Americans in suits uh, started coming out. And they had, like, pins on, on their suits. You know, one was the Vietnam flag and one was the U.S. flag. And so I knew, you know, okay, these are definitely Americans. And at that point, I realized, I said, okay, Obama has to be here. I mean, what is going on? <laughs> and uh, I, and then at that same point, I saw my friend uh, Allison. So we reconnected together, and she's like, Mana, I really think uh, Obama's here. And I said, I, I think so, too, you know. So we had four bars to choose from within that hotel. She wanted to go to a bar by the pool. I wanted to go to a smaller bar, compromise, and we decided we would start at the smaller bar. So we sit down at the bar. We order a bottle of champagne, and all of a sudden, the same Secret Service guys start piling into this small bar. I look over, and it's Secretary John Kerry is with them with, like, ten different guards with him. So I immediately, you know, yell out his name, and he stops and talks to us and asks us where we're from. And I told him how big of fans we were of him and how this is just so crazy that we're seeing him in Vietnam. Right. And, uh, you know, he, he thanked us for our support and went upstairs to a meeting, um, and we realized that we're going to need to stay until he comes back downstairs because I have to get a picture with this guy. I mean, I just couldn't believe <laughs> right. that this is who's at this hotel. So we waited uh, like an hour. It wasn't even that long. And uh, he came right back down. We asked him for a picture. Uh, he was so great. You know, he really didn't want to, you could tell. But we were just like, please, like, no one's going to believe this. And uh, he said, okay, okay, you know, let's just do one picture. He said, don't put it on your Twitter. 
And uh, we agreed and secretly put it on our Facebook and our Instagram instead, since he never mentioned those right. two social following media. directions, right. <laughs> and uh, and uh, he was just great, you know, and um, just it was just so wild. I My friend actually worked on his campaign, uh, so she was just really enthused to see him as well. And just kind of reflecting back, we just thought, you know, how crazy for him. This is a country he's coming back to. The last time he was in this country, there was a war that he was fighting in. And for him to come back and see, you know, Americans now traveling there, young Americans, um, that's got to have to be a lot for him as well. Right. It was just really, really an incredible deal to be able to see him. That is awesome. That is an amazing story. And I'm glad that I waited. I didn't ask you about it until now so I could hear the full, the full story there. I was glad that you were able to find your friend. It sounded like your your focus was starting to shift, and then you ran into her. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely glad we found that was the only time we lost each other, uh, but we were just, everybody at the bar kind of saw him take a picture, and afterwards, you know, these Australians and um, people that were uh, from the UK were buying us drinks, like, they just thought it was so cool that this had happened, too, uh, so it was just uh, really interesting. That's awesome, that's awesome. Now, shifting gears a little bit, and you've been mentioning living with the among the indigenous people there what was that what was that experience like could you speak a little bit about that what went into it how'd you get hooked up with um with the people that you did and and whatnot yeah yeah this one was crazy uh certainly when i said i wanted to go to sapa valley i never thought that we were going to actually stay in the village uh it didn't even occur to me that this was even an option said it in the itinerary but it really still didn't click to me that this really like you are staying in someone's home because it just said it's private homestay. Um, so, you know, I just really wasn't still like it just wasn't clicking as far as what we were going to do. Um, really, both of us were not prepared for how incredible this was going to be. Um, but once we arrived on this 10 hour night train, we arrive at like 6 a.m. And uh, we have this woman that's coming to pick me up and she is in full traditional tribe wear. That's when we realized like we get we we're going to stay, at, you know, at this woman's house. We actually stayed at her sister's house. That's what we found out. But um, she was our tour guide for the next three days. Her name was me. Uh, me is definitely one of the most incredible women I have ever met in my life. Um, she is about our age. Um, I'm 30, and me was about 33. If you were to see her, you would think she's much older than 33. She's had an incredibly difficult life. Uh, at 15, her father died, and so she is the oldest in her family, and so she married. Uh, she got married at 15 years old so that they would have a man to be able to take care of, of their home. Um, and so she grew up in the village. Uh, she's part of the Omon tribe. And uh, there's all these different tribes within this village. And they have all different headpieces on. You get to this uh, village, you change. Uh, so, you know, we're kind of like workout gear. We knew we were going to be hiking for three days all throughout this village. Um, and just kind of left our suitcases and, and we started our trek. And it was just something I just cannot even describe. Um, the women, you know, they were everywhere. And they're the ones that do the tour guides. They're the ones that speak English. Uh, they, they sell their arts and crafts, you know, to the tourists. And in the village, uh, you know, men basically speak absolutely no English. They are farming the whole time. Um, and we really started learning a little bit about the different dynamics between the men and the women in the village. 
Um, me had some incredible stories, uh, things that I really um, can't even imagine as a woman. Uh, she told me that she had two sisters. One sister was in an incredibly abusive relationship. Uh, her husband was an alcoholic. Oh, no. And so her sister decided um, that she was going to help um, Mi's other sister. And these two sisters, Mi's, both of her sisters were going to have to flee to China. Um, and they did so. And Mi made it very clear to me that she's never going to be able to see those two sisters um, ever again due to the situation uh, that happened. Um, and you just think, you know, I mean, I have a sister, I can't imagine, you know, never seeing my sister um, again. But it's these stories that you think of uh, that, again, as an American, as a Westerner, you would never be able to imagine. And me was incredible. I mean, she had gone through all of these experiences, but she is definitely the kindest woman that I have met. She's extremely happy, extremely sweet. Um, and I'm really just taken back, you know, having such a hard life, but having such a positive attitude. And I asked her, I said, when is the last time that you cried? Kind of laughed and said, what are you talking about? I said, no, like, when is the last time that you cried? And, well, you know, I got to think about it. And she thought about it for some time and said, I think it was about two years ago I cried. Um, and I just thought that was so incredible. And she said, well, you know, when's the last time you cried? And I told her, well, heck, it was probably last month over, over a guy, uh, something right. really stupid, uh, not really important, but really start learning that, you know, you and I live in a life where we need constant stimulation for our happiness, checking our phones, checking our social media, on the computer, um, on TV. Right. And me here that has such a basic life, but so incredibly happy uh, that it really makes you look inward and see, you know, what changes you need to make to get, get on me's level, really. Uh, it's just incredible just to think with such basic necessities that they have this happiness that so many of us uh, in our luxurious lifestyles can never really attain. Right. That's very true. Uh, you know, I asked them um, just different things, like about how, how did they go into the labor? You know, I was talking about birth control. Well, how does that work? And you know, they talked about their different methods of, of birth control, a little bit more advanced than what I was expecting. Um, a lot of women do IUDs and, and uh, go see a clinic, and they'll have, hook them up with that. Um, you know, they have birth control as well, just as we do, or, or condoms, but uh, not, you know, not very much discussed as far as, uh, you know, sex education or anything like that is not at all discussed. And and we really talked about it with them. You know, we were very interested to say, okay, when did you guys start having sex? And all of them, it was at marriage. Um, they all hate sex. They do not like it one bit. They say it's once a month and they're just waiting for it to be over. So that to see how, you know, they, they viewed sex compared to us. Um, there is no real love, you know, that's not really... Uh, Thing that they see in the village that's you know there's but not the way that we kind of define what love might mean so it's just a lots of differences um but the women were just so incredibly strong and that was just something else for for me um but later on you know we didn't understand i guess at first as to why they were so strong like why what makes the vietnamese women as strong as they are you know how come not everybody's strong it was a big topic that my girlfriend and i kind of kept talking to each other about our last stop our tour guide was a woman all of our tour guides were women but this one was actually a very modern woman um she was very unlike the different vietnamese women that we had met this entire time on our trip 
you realize just how discriminated women are in the culture. She says that um, if you have a son, in, in Vietnamese, there is a very common saying that says, if you have a son, everything in the world. You have 10 daughters, you have nothing in this world. And so when you learn about that, it's the son. Uh, his parents will be able to be taken care of by the son and the son's wife, um, but the wife's parents will not be taken care of. And so that's the reason that, that these women have to really prove themselves and be as strong as they are. Um, and it was really incredible that it was at the end of this trip that we were able to kind of find this answer and, and kind of close out the loop as, as far as we're just trying to understand uh, what Vietnamese women are and what drives them and what makes them this strong. So it was just, it was just incredible. Wow. That is, that is wild, man. So there's just wild discrimination there. That's sounds, seems pretty evident, pretty easy to see over there. Yeah. And uh, you know, some of the details were a bit disturbing as well. Uh, This, this village that we were at borders China, China's right there with us. And um, because in China, you know, you only can have one child, uh, everybody decided to choose uh, the son. They wanted the son, and they would get rid of the daughters and move forward. And so in Vietnam, they wanted to make sure this didn't happen, so you could have two children in Vietnam, uh, so that, you know, they wouldn't have this overpopulation of just men in in their country. Well, what would happen is these Chinese men would come to the villages, um, buy a wife, and bring them back. And it was explained to us that some of them can be raped by the entire family. They can be sex slaves. They can really go through some uh, abuse with the husband, um, and they're really trapped uh, in another country living with this man. Um, and that's a very, very common thing that happens as well. Uh, and it just really is just heart-wrenching just to oh. think that, that that's how people can live over there. Yeah, that is that is wild. And that's, I mean, that's that's it's very sad, but that's one of the things that had you not been able to visit over there, you wouldn't have been afforded that perspective and to even understand that these types of things were, were happening from a first, from her firsthand uh, information. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, being able to experience this, it, it always just makes me so thankful for where I'm from and, uh, and, and the strength in these people, especially in the women. Um, it's incredibly humbling and it's inspiring for me as a woman. So um, very hard for us to see, but definitely helps us grow as people. Oh, wow. So shifting gears yet again, I just have a couple more questions. Um, this has all been extremely interesting. Um, as far as the currency goes, can you speak a little bit about that? What's the conversion rate? If you're, if you're aware, what's the, the currency called? Yeah, the currency is the DONG, the D-O-N-G, yeah, but I try to remember exactly uh, what the conversion was. So, I think one, I mean, it gets really hard because, like, things will be like two million dongs, right? Like, two million, I believe, is like 40 bucks. Uh, I believe that's right, but sorry, I cannot remember, like, much about the exchange rate or anything like that. No, you're good. I just, Uh, I Googled it as I was asking. It, I've never seen this before. It is, says one Vietnamese dong equals, what's that, 45 (laughs) thousandths of a dollar. It's, I know, so that's why, like, they'll say, like, it's 200,000 dog, you know, right. uh, so that's why it gets kind of hard as far as uh, what oh. the currency, like, the exchange looks like, oh my God. but you take 200 $300 with you, and you're fine for the trip, it's it well extremely cheap, that's crazy, okay, and um, as far as the, the climate goes, what, what kind of weather did you experience? 
were really lucky. Um, we were staying in like northern Vietnam altogether, so it didn't get too hot for us at all. The village felt like spring weather, um, so that's 10 hours north, like real north by China. And uh, that's, that is much like spring weather. Um, and then whenever we went on the cruise, it also was just incredible, like not muggy, not humid at all. Um, however, when we got to Da Nang, once we go into the, by the coast, to Danang and then drove 45 minutes to Hoi An. That is when we realized just how hot and humid um, Vietnam can get. The humidity in Hoi An, even in May, um, you know, you really can't even go out until the sun is down. It's it's really not comfortable. You want to be in the water or in the in the pool or in the ocean. Um, the water felt great though. I mean, it was perfect temperature. The beaches are absolutely stunning. Uh, we had a villa that we stayed in in Hoi An. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I would just say, you know, late April, May is still a very good time to go. No rain or anything like that. I think, I think we, maybe we saw it rain like twice, um, but it wasn't anything heavy just for like a few hours. Um, but no, typically it was just pretty perfect weather, just humid at the very end in Hoi An and Da Nang. Awesome. So overall, would you go back? Well, I mean, of course, I would love to show my friends Vietnam. I, I stumble, though, because I really try not to go back to the same country twice. Right, the repeat I have the so many countries to see that uh, I have these goals that I'm trying to meet. And uh, for me, the number of countries I go see is really important. Um, so if I, if I, you know, if I could, I would you know, if I had the opportunity, um, but really, I think next for me is uh, Indonesia and Philippines. I heard really good things about these two countries when I was in Vietnam, um, so I'm definitely ready for that. Awesome! Yeah, I, I, I've heard a lot of great things about the Philippines uh, and Indonesia, to be fair. But definitely, I know the, I've had a few friends go to the Philippines, and they've enjoyed it greatly. So yeah, it sounds like you would um, recommend a visit to Vietnam for someone who hasn't who hasn't been there before. Absolutely, it is a must see, especially people that do not want a huge tourist attraction. Um, it is so beautiful. The people are so welcoming, so safe, and uh, just incredibly, incredibly cheap. Um, incredible cuisine as well. I really have nothing but great things to say about Vietnam. That's awesome. Well, all right. With that, um, thank you for uh, for taking the time out to chat with us a little bit. Um, can you you want to tell the people where they can find you as far as social media goes? I love it. Of course. Uh, check out my Instagram. It's Mana Junam, which is spelled M A N A. J-O-O-N-A-M. You can find me on there and take take a look at all my travel pictures that I have up. Perfect, perfect. So thank you again. And again, thank you for letting me uh, crash in Seattle. Of course. I loved it, man. I was like, I should start doing Airbnb, man. This is legit. (laughs) (laughs) That's definitely true. And thank you all for tuning in to the Travel Guides. And remember, your next adventure is just a click away.